Ladies, 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 welcome to Linking Arms. I'm your hostess, Nadine McGowan. This podcast is by Purposeful Living Inc., which is a nonprofit that exists to serve the modern woman. We define the modern woman as the woman who looks like she has it all together, but behind closed doors, she's hurting, searching, or lonely. We're here to talk about real things with real women, to heal, to grow, to inspire, encourage, empower you to be the woman you are created to be. We are so glad you're here. Let's get started. All right, ladies. Well, today we are joined by a dear friend of mine, Ms. Jen Nyer, and our topic for today is how to be a strong advocate. And I'm just so excited, Jen, to have you on and for Thank this topic. You. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. So tell us, you know, let's start at the very beginning of, you know, why this matters and, you know, tell us a little bit about your childhood and um, where we're going to go with this topic today. Yeah, well, when I was um, two years old, I was diagnosed with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. And growing up, I had a wonderful rheumatologist that really taught me how to um advocate for myself. It wasn't just take this medication as I got older and this is what is the only option. Anytime there was an option available, he would talk with me, not to me, with me about all of the options that were available to me and let me make a choice based upon my lifestyle because a lot of these medications can have side effects. And so he was always very attuned to what do you think you can actually do? For instance, there's diets that a lot of people do for autoimmune disease. Can you really do this? Will this work with your lifestyle? Are you ready to do this? And so compliance is a big thing. And if you're not able to follow through, you need to be honest with your doctor. I'm not sure that I can do that. And he taught me that it was okay to speak up to a doctor and say, I don't think I can do that, or I don't think that can work for me. Um, that's really important. Uh, you shouldn't just ever go in and say, whatever you want, doc, whatever you think, because really it's a two-way street. If he isn't, or she isn't able to hear your perspective, you won't be fulfilled in the best treatment. So that's really where it began, you know, for me as a young child that had an excellent doctor. That's wonderful. That's wonderful to have a doctor like that who says, hey, and, and, and I love what you said, that he talked to me, mm -hmm. um, not at me, right? Like, right. He, it was like, a, he listened. It was a yeah. two-way conversation. Mm -hmm. That is so great. So where does that lead? Tell us more about kind of that journey and... Uh, what happened in your adulthood and yeah in in my adult life um i've since you know had three children and um, my youngest was born um with some underlying health issues and one of those was double outlet right ventricle it is a severe heart condition that could only be repaired through open heart surgery and um she had an excellent surgeon and the surgery was very successful, but post-operatively she had a major complication. And um, it was a situation where she was going downhill rapidly and they were about to lifeline her elsewhere because they didn't have a team in place that would be able to help her further. But I had 
a feeling in my heart and in my mom intuition that the problem was something that could be fixed and that we were actually causing the problem. So to give a little bit of insight, she uh, had congestive heart failure previously and to the surgery, but once the surgery occurred and was successful, then she was no longer in heart failure. Yet she kept having symptoms of heart failure. And I recognized all of these symptoms when I would give her too much milk. She was on feeding tubes and she would get overloaded. Like her body just could not handle. And she was very tiny. She was an infant, um, just barely 10 pounds at the time of her surgery at four months. So I knew that I had seen this before and I couldn't tell if it was heart failure, but I knew it was something. And I kept saying, I think she's in fluid overload. They said it's, well, not they, but a specific doctor kept saying that is impossible because she is not any longer in heart failure. And I said, I don't think that that's the problem. It ended up long story short being that she had dumping syndrome where she was vomiting and having diarrhea. It was black tar coming out of every orifice of her body for days. I mean, she was so um, depleted that they were trying to give her IVs. They had the ER team in there. They had the PICU team in there. Many others tried to get an IV line started. She blew 16 IVs, I think in total, even out of her head. So there was nowhere else to go. They didn't have a PICU. Um, line team available that weekend. And so um, it was a really big deal. It was something so small, but it was huge for her. And I just kept saying, you need to turn her feed down. This is too much. You need to turn it down. Well, the residents couldn't do anything without the approval of the, you know, it's all of that process. Sure. And I just kept pushing because I just knew and everyone kept saying it's a virus. And I said, but she doesn't even have a fever. And I've seen these things before. So while on one hand, it could have been a virus. On the other hand, it could have been the fluid overload that was causing these problems, but she was so severely hydrating. She was failing. And it was causing other problems. So eventually I had a female doctor who came in, who was rounding and she happened to have a three month old baby. And I said to her, I really believe that this is what is going on. We need to turn down her feeds. Like her feeding tube was set too high and it was on a pump and you have to have a code. Like the nurse has to go in and adjust all of this. And so I was very upset because all I wanted to do was reduce this and no one was listening to me. I was very frustrated, but I did not give up. And she said, you know what? I believe in a mother's intuition and I hear your case. You're stating your case calmly, clearly. And I think that there is validity to that. And so we will try it for a set number of hours. And if in that time, she does not get better Then we will have to transfer her, you know, to another hospital. And I said, okay. And lo and behold, she got better. And within 24 hours we were out, but this was saying the doctor previously that had been rounding, not her usual cardiologist had said, uh, this is, this is a virus. And if you're wrong, 
you know, she's, it, you could kill her because she needs the fluids because she's so dehydrated from the virus. So really it was so interesting because on one hand it could have been viral and she was dehydrated and needed more fluids to survive. On the other hand, I thought the fluids were the problem. So it's a situation of really intuition. It wasn't that, you know, I necessarily thought that he was completely wrong because he could have right. been right. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I could have been wrong, but, you know, basically the message was, if you're wrong, she'll die. And wow. it was really hard. Um, my husband's a physician and he didn't really feel that empowered to speak on my behalf because he just was so afraid of being wrong, that that was sure. such a weight on his shoulders yeah. as a medical professional. Like, what if I am wrong and I choose the wrong side and my daughter dies? What does that say about me as a doctor? Yeah. And so it really put me in a position where I felt very alone. Um, but I just kept pushing with my mom instincts. So not the intuitions, everything you have to see the whole picture and ask the questions and think through everything. But I think this is a great example of being an advocate for your child. And that came from the courage that I had being raised as a child with a disability that had a doctor that said, you have a voice. Wow. I mean, it, there's just so much to what you're sharing. Number one, I can't even imagine as a mama what you had to go through. And so I just like have to pause and honor you and just acknowledge that that must've been gut-wrenching, like scary. Um, gosh, I can only imagine like all the feelings and all the things and all consuming really, because it's life or death. It's not like, you know, something right. simple. Right. Yeah. And then the other part that, that I love that you said is that mother's intuition that like, you know, we have that intuition for a reason, like that is of God, that is from God. Like he gives us that gift and we can trust that. And then the other part that, that I love is that you stated your case, you did it calmly, you did it clearly, and you are consistent in it. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's a, a proverb that it's Proverbs 31, eight, that says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. I love and that, that just gives me chills because that is exactly mm -hmm. what you did in that moment, right? You spoke up for your precious little girl who could not speak up for herself mm -hmm. and you were right. Yeah. And I think many times as moms, we, we get our instincts, like there's this motherly intuition that we have and we shut it down because, well, the doctor said this, so I have to just do what the doctor says blindly. And again, mm -hmm. I'm not saying we only trust our intuition. And I think you, you, you said that it's not just intuition. It's not just gut. We use our heads too. We listen to professionals. We look at the big picture, but we don't shrug off our intuition. We, right. we invite it into the picture. We don't shrug off our voice. You know, we don't right. shrug off the, the whispers of God and the Holy Spirit that's leading us and saying, wait a minute, this is the way, walk in it. We have to, we have to take that in and we have to be listening to that. So, wow. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to share her story. I, I just think that people have to be open-minded to, you know, what their doctors are saying. But when you have a gut that's telling you, follow this, this is the way, I just don't think that that should really be ignored. 
Um, and sometimes it takes another person to really step in. And I also wanted to mention how important um, friendship and support was during that time or um, support groups, like how other parents who've gone through this journey um, with uh, heart warrior kids, how helpful that was for me, especially in a time when you're under a tremendous amount of stress it puts stress on the whole family. So my husband and I, it was, you'd have thought it was a time of just coming together and, but it was really hard. You know, you're tired, you're exhausted, you're stressed yeah. out. Maybe you have difference of opinions on how things should be handled. It's actually um, a very divisive time in some ways. Um, you're together maybe in your grief, but you're very alone in other ways. And so sometimes just having a friend that you feel can support you to hear you, just an ear for you is just really so therapeutic and important to advocacy. Someone who can help calm you in the storm, because it is important if you want to be a good advocate to really be able to be calm in the situation so that you can speak intelligently so that you have the time to say, I'm going to really research this, or I'm going to be open-minded. Maybe the friend will say, well, did the doctor say this? He said, yeah, well, I mean, think through things, talk through things. I think that that's um, really important for advocating for yourself too, is to be able to hear the perspective of others and to have that support. Uh, yes, I'm just jotting down a bunch of thoughts here. Um, it's interesting because when I think of advocating for something, I always, I don't know why, and maybe this is just me, I think of almost like bullying. And what I'm hearing you say is advocating is actually the opposite of bullying. It's not forcing my will and my way and my opinion upon others. It's actually being open-minded. It's actually yeah. trusting my gut. It's all actually being calm and thinking and speaking calmly and intelligently and not bullying and pushing and shoving and forcing. Mm -hmm. Yes. Definitely very much so. And, you know, before COVID, you could bring people into the room with you. And I always like that because especially with an older person, it's bring someone with you because there may be a lot of questions that you have or that you're not thinking of that they may say, hey, wait, I think the doctor might need to know about this. You forgot about that or answering questions that you have. And you're so caught up in the moment, or you may be nervous or whatever the situation might be, that someone else is there to sort of take the notes and to hear and to remind you later. Do you remember that they said that? Do you remember that we talked about this? And this is another thing to think about. So maybe even, you know, if you can record when you can't have someone there to say, is it okay if I record our conversation? Because I really just, I have some questions and I don't want to forget anything. You know, just um, be very open about you care about your health and that you like to know um, what is being prescribed or why it's being prescribed or recommended. I like that. It made me think of, and I don't know the, the uh, scripture reference, but it talks about how two are better than one. Mm -hmm. uh, because when I think it's like when one falls, the other can lift the other up essentially. And so I love that concept of like, Hey, bring somebody else that, that, um, 
has different ears. Like they'll be listening for things that you might miss. And if you can't because of COVID, record it and then re-listen to it or have somebody else listen to it. I like the concept of it's not all on my shoulders. Like invite other people into this space to help me get clear about like, am I advocating for the right thing here? Because we need, we need good wisdom as well, right? So we have, we need that gut instinct, right? We need to hear the, the, the information from the doctor or whoever is providing the information. And then we need to cross-reference it with somebody who's, you know, neither, not me, not the other uh, party, but somebody who's Mm -hmm. kind of not involved, who can really see the big picture and have their own wisdom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The perspective is so important too. And I also want to say that in the, in the era of digital age and EMR record systems, and that sometimes you go in and the doctor's just on their computer typing, just typing. They're not even looking at you and they're just asking questions. They're going through the thing. Unfortunately, that is like a necessary evil these days. It's like they have so much to input. And as a wife of a physician, I know he comes home to 300 plus patient questions every night on top of what he has to dictate, on top of what patient questions he has in the room. And it just eats away at their family time. They don't get a life. (laughs) So I also understand why a lot of doctors do that in the room. But I also feel like it's very important that if you don't feel like you're being heard in that appointment, you don't walk out the door saying, I got nothing out of that, or I had more questions about this, or I don't feel like he heard a word I said. It's okay to say, I'm sorry, can you stop for just a minute? I just really need to have you hear me on this. And yeah, just talk to them like a regular person and just say, hold on, I, I'm this is really bothering me. Now, you don't want to go in and talk about your life story. It's really just as long as you're focused to the problem, they will listen. Sure. Not like, yeah. oh, I have an incontinence issue and you're there for a cardiology appointment. You know? <laughs> right, right. You know? But as long as you're staying on topic, I think it's important that you really feel like you're being heard and that your questions are answered and that you feel validated. And if your doctor doesn't want to talk to you or doesn't really want to hear you um, or what, then maybe it's time to look somewhere else, but you have to advocate for yourself because it's your body and your life and you know it best. Yes. And, you know, I, I love, and you said this at the beginning and I'm hearing you say it again, is the use your voice. God gave you a voice and use your voice. I can't tell you how many times I've met with an accountant or a financial advisor or a doctor where I'm like, can you please dumb it down for me? Because I did not understand a word you said to me. And in the past, when I was younger, I'd be too insecure to say that because I didn't want to feel stupid, right? Because they used words that I was like, I don't even know what you're saying right now. Like, can you please explain this to me? And so I love what you're what you're saying of like, don't just walk out of there, you know, confused or unsure, like, this is what they're there for. Use that time, use your voice, get to the bottom of what you need to, so you can get clear on next steps. Right. And I mean, they're going into medicine because they want to help people or at one point really have that drive. And, you know, when you have a patient that just says, Oh, whatever. Okay. Whatever you say, doc, it's a good doctor is going to say, no, I want you to understand this procedure, or I want you to understand what we're doing. And I think that that's, that's also a sign of a, of someone who is a trustworthy professional for you as somebody who really wants you to know about what's happening with your body and wants to explain it to you and for you to understand it. 
Yeah. Which, which is another point I'm hearing you say pretty consistently also is like, you know, if, if your current provider isn't working, maybe it's time, like find the right team, find the right doctor, find the right people. And that might mean you go to a couple of different ones before you do. But I think that's also important as well. So, um, I mean, this has been so good and there's so much more that we could talk about, but what I want to know about Jen is I want to, I want, I want the ladies to hear, you know, tell, tell us about where your little girl is at today. And what are some of the positives that have come of all of this? Cause you know, there's some good stuff going on there. Yeah, she's doing great. I mean, from a cardiac perspective, she's like amazing. I, she doesn't even have to go back for a checkup for a couple of years. Uh, it's truly a miracle. We thought this might end up being more than one open heart, but a great surgeon and it's changed her life. Um, she has some other health uh, issues that are evolving that are sort of ever changing as she gets older and we're going through that, but, you know, we always, we, every year celebrate her heart anniversary because that is truly the day her life was saved. I love and that. She, yeah. She's really treated like it's a birthday and this is like a really special day to be honored. And I just always tell her how strong she is and that she can do anything. And she overcame something so hard and so painful and, you know, she's going to do great in life. Like no matter what it's, you know, sometimes it's a struggle, but, uh, with the little things with some of this other stuff and a lot of appointments, but she handles it like a champ, you know, she doesn't give up. So yeah. And she has this temperament that is like, she is like a love bug, man. She's just like love walking. Oh yeah. It's just lovely and lovey and just, but she keeps up with her older brothers too. I mean, as strong as she is, she's equally affectionate, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, She's she's beautiful. (laughs) She's adorable. She is adorable. And then, and then, and then there's more positives that have come of it. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the nonprofit? Yes. So I'm getting going with the Graceful Heart Foundation and it's uh, pending 501c3 approval, and then we'll roll it out. But um, I'm really excited to be able to help other families who struggle to get their children to medical appointments. One of the things that was really tough for us was that I had two toddlers at the time that um, my baby was having all of these issues and we were at doctor's appointments every day. And thank God for the means that we had because, and the support that we had, because I was able to get childcare for them. I had reliable transportation to take my child, but I know there are a lot of families out there. They can't take off of work to leave for all of these appointments. They may not have reliable transportation. They may not have consistent childcare. There's a plethora of things that make it challenging for people to get to appointments. So now, especially with COVID, one of the good things that have come about is that telemedicine and virtual visits have really become a thing. And there's a lot of apps and different devices you can plug into your phone and people can take an EKG from home um, and get their heart rate and all kinds of great stuff. So my plan and the hope for the Graceful Heart Foundation is that we would be able to give the people the internet, the technology, the apps, the training that they need to be able to have virtual visits at home with their healthcare provider teams. And this could even integrate other areas of medicine um, because it's usually not just a single 
area of healthcare, a lot of times it's multifaceted. You may have with cardiology, other areas such as GI, for instance, that need to collaborate um, in the process. So uh, I, I think that this would be great for people. And I really hope it can, I can hope it can help a lot of people. I think it's incredible. And I'm just so excited for what you're doing with that. And, you know, I just think of back to kind of the beginning of this podcast, when you shared your story, and how what you went through as a child and the challenges and the pain you had to go through as a child taught you to have a voice and taught you and, and equipped you truly for what happened to your little girl later on in life and how right. God used all of that for such good. Cause I don't know, you know, if it would have saved her life, if you didn't use your voice in that way and fight and advocate for your little girl. And then to think about what, then what happened to her God has used for good in the Graceful Heart Foundation and that it's given you a heart to go out and do for families what you know and what you see as a need out there. And, you know, I just, I love that. I love that even as we walk through the pain and the suffering and the challenges, like God always uses it for good. And that's just something that we can stand on and we can, we can believe in, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just, you know, looking back, it was such a hard time as a kid but in now as a mother, who's really, you know, come through this on the other side, and there's been such advances in medication that I'm doing so well, I, I couldn't be more grateful. It's almost like God healed me at the time when I needed to be there for my daughter. And, and truly, I wouldn't change anything for it, because now I'm, I'm stronger because of everything I went through. And I'm smarter because of the things that I went through. And yeah, it's God has blessed me in so many ways, truly. Isn't it amazing how hindsight's always 2020? Mm-hmm. Right? It's like, it's like, yeah. so so the stuff we're going through today, right now, we might be like, why, why, God? Like, why is this happening? And then two years or five years or 10 years or whoever, however long, we're gonna be able to look back and go, you know what? I would never have changed that. Right. It it made me exactly who I am, or this came because of it, or you know, it is pretty cool. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to kind of like recap all of this to you ladies and just kind of rem- some reminders and some invitations. And then Jen, I'll give you some space at the end, if there's anything that you'd like to say to any of our listeners. But I think my big takeaways for, for me today is number one, to trust my gut, to consider it and to pause and go, what do I do with this? You know, is, is this valid? Who do I need to communicate this to? And and then what other information do I need to listen to? Like, what are the other pieces of the puzzle? And then once I'm clear on that, to take action, to use my voice and not to bully, that is not advocating, but to communicate Mm -hmm. calmly and clearly and intelligently exactly what I would like to see happen and ask for somebody to try it. Let's try it. I like that part. It's like, okay, let's try it. If it doesn't work, we'll do this. Where there was like a backup plan, you know? Mm -hmm. And then the other part that I do not want to shrug over is the support group piece. You know, we're talking about support group for this situation, but there are support groups for grief. There are support groups for domestic violence. There are support groups for nursing. There are support groups for moms. There are support groups for all kinds of stuff. And so I love what you said of, man, you had a good support network. And sometimes we have to go seek that. Like we, that's not going to find us. We have to be intentional and go, okay, what do I need support in today? And where can I find it? 
And I think that's also important. That's part of advocating because you need to be healthy mm-hmm. and supported and strong in order to show up calmly and clearly and intelligently and all the other ways. So um, so I just invite you to consider that, ladies, and, and hope you walk away with a couple of nuggets that will impact you. Jen, anything you'd like to wrap us up with? Yeah, I just want to close with a proverb that was really important to me when um, my daughter was going through her struggles. Um, I wore a bracelet that had the words of the proverb and I had because her wrists were so teeny tiny. She was only five pounds, 12 ounces at birth. So very tiny, but she had a little bracelet that said Proverbs 31, 25 on it. And on my bracelet, it said she is clothed with strength and dignity and laughs without fear of the future. And I think that really just spoke to me throughout our journey and still speaks to me now. I love this, especially as we navigate life today with COVIDs and masks and all the different things that are going on, all the the divisiveness of our country and just the instability. I love that of the Proverbs 31, 25. Can you read it one more time? Because those words are just. She is clothed with strength and dignity and she laughs without fear of the future. And that is a wrap, ladies. We will talk to you soon. Thank you for spending your time with us today. For more on Purposeful Living Inc., visit our website, purposefullivinginc.org. We offer free coaching, growth groups, events, and have a care team waiting to support you. For more encouragement, you can also find Purposeful Living on your favorite social media platform. Leave a comment, leave a review, and don't forget to subscribe. Remember, ladies, you are loved, you are chosen, you are seen, you are valued. You have a purpose and your purpose matters. Talk to you soon. We love you.